Welcome to the Growth Enablement Madness Podcast, and I'm Jim Ward, your host, CEO of BrainCell, the growth enablement company. I'm absolutely mad about helping businesses grow and scale. And in this podcast, my team and I get a chance to talk shop with industry thought leaders about a variety of growth enablement strategies, stories, and technology trends. I'm happy that you're here, so let's get the growth conversation started. Welcome to Growth Enablement Madness Podcast. My name is Jim Ward. I'm CEO of BrainCell and founder of BrainCell. I found it 30 years ago. I didn't just find it. I founded it. Anyways, we've got a great guest today, somebody we're very familiar with. His name is Joe Ippolito. But before we get to our guest, I want to introduce the folks here who always help me on the podcast. Our account executive, Allie Lipman, who handles the... Allie, what do you do here? Yeah, what do I handle here? That's a great no, question. I, I, <laughs> I help our customers and prospects grow by aligning their strategy with growth enablement technologies. That's an excellent answer. Thank you, Allie Lipman. You're welcome. And we have Sarah Reed, who's vice president of marketing here. Sarah, what the heck do you do? I lead all the marketing efforts, Jim. Yes, you do. And you do a wonderful <laughs> job. to be at, here. Yeah, great. Nice to have you here, both of you. But now on to the guest, Joe Epolito. Joe Epolito, why don't you tell us about yourself? And just I'll say this, he's a sales trainer with Sandler. So Joe, tell us a little bit about yourself and what does growth enable mean to you? Uh, thanks, Jim. I appreciate you having me on the podcast. So there's two questions there. Tell me about yourself and growth enablement. Yes, that was two. I'll start from today. So I've been at a Sandler training for the last 18 years now. And if I I wind back the clock a little bit, started in sales. Well, actually, when I was in college, I wanted to be a doctor. But when I got a C minus in chemistry, I realized a medical career was not in my horizon. So like a lot of salespeople, you default into the position of sales, right? Not a job of last resort, but... When you decide not to be a doctor, I always <laughs> yeah, think it's yeah. going to break the freaking sales. I was going to be a neurosurgeon, but I decided to be in sales. But go ahead, Joe, with the your good story. News is, the good news is, so I got on board with a Fortune 200 company in sales and learned a lot, worked my way up over the years and end up getting my MBA and then going back into sales after that even. I was a bond trader for a little while, but that's kind of selling too. Always been a student of sales. And even though I sold lead teams, I started actually writing a book because I was observing sales behavior and I found Sandler. Thank God I didn't write the book because I would have been the only one to read it other than my family. So 18 years later, here I am. Awesome. What is so what does growth enablement mean to you? You know, one of the things I'll say before you answer the question is we when I started this podcast, we were interviewing a lot of technology companies. And no, you're not a technology company, I know. But when I've decided and we've all decided that we want to talk not just the technology, but to sales training or strategy or authors who talk about growth enablement concepts. So what is as a sales trainer, what does growth enablement mean to you? So it might tie back to sales training in a way. To me, when I hear that, I hear getting aligned, getting a team on the same page, getting aligned, and then using process systems backed by technology to build a consistent, scalable strategy. That's excellent. That speaks to me because it is all about, we talk about here in Brain Cell, uh, Boys in a Boat. It's a great book that our CEO talks about. And it was a bunch of young men who rode in the Olympics during World War II, I believe it was Nazi Germany, and they won the Olympic medal. But the fact is that they came from different backgrounds, but they all 
got in the boat and learn how to synchronize the rowing. And I think that's what it's about is process synchronization, right? Are you kind of saying that? I'm saying exactly that, plus scalability and the ability to maximize your effectiveness out in the marketplace. Thank God I got that right, because imagine if you turned me around and said, that's not at all what I was saying. <laughs> I would have dealt with it, but... Um, <laughs> So Sandler as a company, it's been a great resource for us, uh, BrainCell. And by the way, those of you who, I don't know if this still exists, but I want to give this tip out there. If you're in Massachusetts, we were able to get Massachusetts to help fund the training programs. Does that still exist out there, Joe? Yeah, it's still, it's uh, actually re got reignited about six months ago. So it's going as strong as ever with the, co- uh, the, the state supporting companies and their growth and supporting training. So I want to give a shout out to the state of Massachusetts. What they do is they're helping to fund, for example, sales training or other training methodologies in a company, and they're helping to pay that bill. They literally help pay that bill. So if you're in the state of Massachusetts and you're a business, who would they contact? I'm just going to give that tidbit out there. Who do they contact for that? Well, they can contact me, obviously. But well, of course they can. That would be, uh, yeah. The Massachusetts Workforce Training Express Fund. Excellent. And perhaps other states, those of you who are listening that maybe in other states, check the same thing out. You might be surprised where you can avail yourself of. But anyways, back to Sandler as a resource for us. We've really doubled down on training with you. You've integrated them to our team. Can you tell me a little bit about Sandler's approach to sales training and what are the key differentiators from other training methodologies? Yeah, so depending on who we're up against, I think in general, what puts Sandler apart is, number one, just not about tactics and techniques. It's about the underlying psychology and how people interact and behave. And it's counterintuitive a lot of ways because we think in sales, we have to be aggressive and close and push and persuade. When you think about it, people don't want to be treated that way. So why should we do it? But that's where skills, strategies, and techniques come in. So you can do the tough things in sales, like qualifying, prospecting, but doing it in a way that just sets a nice framework and relationship with the client. So that's one part of it. The other part of it is, I think what makes us unique is, like you said, I can come into your company and Sandler's based on frameworks. It's not like we're laying scripts out there and say, hey, say this when this happens, because that's not effective. So once the team learns the the concepts, you know, we're able to apply it not only to the company and their business model, but then to the specific salespeople, because there's always many ways I like to say to skin the cat, right? Different approaches, and it's all situational. So I think our ability to adapt, make it interactive with a lot of role playing and learning is, I don't think anybody can touch us in that area. So is there something called skin the cat clothes? Just kidding. There's no skin to cat clothes, folks. <laughs> there probably nothing. is. We there might probably, find it. For- well, let me say this. I go way back uh, in sales training, back to Tommy Hopkins would be one of the folks who I took some training from, and there was the porcupine clothes. So things you would say when this happened. And the thing that I liked about Sandler is it did none of that, right? You didn't have to remember all these different closing techniques, which were very manipulative. Rather, in Sandler, I think the difference is that you're you're asking a lot of questions. You're trying to get to somebody's underlying issues or in your vernacular, perhaps it's pain, but you're really truly trying to understand and you're listening. It's much more consultative. It's uh, more comfortable. And I think it's more comfortable to both parties, both the selling person and the receiver, the buyer. Yeah. And if I could just add to that a little bit as a cat executive has been through Sandler training and not to get sentimental <laughs> about it, but I really do feel like Sandler training was kind of a pivotal turn for me in my sales career as a junior salesperson. And one of the biggest things is, is, and you mentioned maximizing your time, Joe, it's just not spinning your wheels. 
<laughs> on activities that are wasting your time. It's, it's an organizational framework for helping to move through an evaluation process. It feels consultative. It, it definitely really, I think, helped everybody here at the organization. That's a great story. And I'm going to share something. And I hope this doesn't embarrass Ellie. I'm sure it will. But we use, we have... Process- oh, God. Yes. Uh, <laughs> here we go. Here it comes. Uh, we have a process for everything, right? One of the things we are, as I think I've mentioned in other podcasts, we are a EOS company, Entrepreneurial Operating System, run by traction. And so process, uh, level four processing. But one of the processes we have is hiring process. And one of the steps is taking an assessment test, which tells us sales profiles. And, and Allie's first go around, she did not become recommended in that profile. However, she went through, and, I, and this is really, I'm doing like I'm doing an ad for you for crying out loud. Uh, she went through the Sandler program, and you know we we really started to invest in sales training and training for our team members. And now she's highly recommended. So it's an interesting transformation for her having gone through this. She had other, obviously, other qualities that were aligned to sales, but there were some maybe elements of closing or things of that nature. I don't have it in front of me. But yeah, she's turned around. She's one of our top folks here in the group. So good job. Thanks, Joe. Yeah, no, as many of your people, as well as Allie and many of the people, I think that's one of the big misnomers about training is people think you're a born salesperson. And, you know, maybe you get one out of 100 with those characteristics, but like anything else in an organization, there's a learned methodology and process to it. You can learn to be a good and effective salesperson. And if you take all that kind of wacky pressuring and the scripted things to say when someone says something else and trying to close, it can be learned. Yeah. It can be learned. <laughs> I always, when somebody's selling to me, I can always see them telegraphing their punches. Would you like that on an automatic or a? <laughs> I'm thinking alternate of choice engagement. Yeah, right. Um, exactly. <laughs> anyways, so maybe you can answer this for me. How have you seen sales process evolve over the past couple of years? And is there any more emphasis shifted to something else? Tell me a little bit about process now. Well, I think, you know, I've seen a lot has stayed the same over the last few years and a lot has changed. What's changed is the fact that if you went back three years ago and said, we do a lot of our selling remotely, people would say you're crazy and over Zoom or Teams or whatever it is. (laughs) Then it's funny because we'll still see companies today where their salespeople won't prospect or won't sell as as efficiently, as effectively as they could because they feel they can't sell on Zoom or they can't sell remotely, but it's here to stay. So that tells me a lot about the salesperson too, where they were the kind of the wing it, trying to sell with their outstanding personalities. And now they feel hand tied, right? Instead of having an approach to follow, and it doesn't matter if I'm on Zoom, if I'm on the phone, if I'm face to face, if I just practice my methodology, everything will work out. So that's been a big change, obviously. Buyers, of course, are well down the journey now with the information available than they haven't been before. Yeah, by the time they get to a salesperson, they've already been uh, informed to a great degree. Yeah, so we've got to be aware of that. And I think it's almost as much as that's changed, I think what hasn't changed is the fact that it's still having a conversation with somebody. I mean, you still at some point have to have a conversation and find out, again, unless it's a real transactional low money sale, it's all about understanding the prospect, getting them to feel comfortable and being able to solve problems for them. What also hasn't changed is prospecting still works. I mean, people throughout the pandemic, if they've got the right skill set, outbound prospecting and doing the behaviors has not changed at all. 
The one thing I would say, though, that when people see sales training, it's to me, in any training really, is not a one-time event. It's repetition for your team, right? And I think Sandler does hit that nail on the head because I think most of their programs are through repetition, if I remember correctly. But we do invest in repetition, 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 keeping folks' skills sh- uh, or, or their axes sharp, right? And their skills sharp. So that'd be my one of my recommendations for folks out there considering sales training. And I think every company should consider sales training. Well, okay, let me ask you this. How are you seeing companies scale their sales initiatives today? Again, two different types of companies. Some that realize that having a sales process which a lot do because they can evolve a natural sales process just by kind of how long their natural sales cycle is. But but now they're realizing the importance of a methodology to run that process. And that's the part that Sandler brings that can be practiced, trained, and mastered over time. So we're seeing a little bit about that. Companies are realizing if they want to scale and grow, you just can't find, number one, that one out of 100 personality guy that's going to close everything. That's not scalable. And number two is, Believe it or not, to your point, Jim, we still see a lot of companies that are out there trying to wing it on their own and trying to learn it. And they have different systems, different people doing different things. No one has that common language, which makes it a lot more difficult to coach, develop, get on that same page. It's it's probably the opposite of growth enablement of what you designed before, what you defined earlier. Well, it's another thing that I feel that companies should be creating a very similar experience by the different folks that they talk to. I mean, it's Well, I guess it's not unlike a franchise, uh, and I don't mean to make this so simplistic, but, you know, if you go to McDonald's, everywhere you go, it's the same experience. And I'm not trying to say that a technology consultancy like us or a growth enablement company that relies on technology, but if they talk to somebody, I want them to have a similar experience in that it's not, you're not talking to Allie and then you talk to Kevin and you're having a just complete opposite experience, right? So I think that is part of the process as well. It's very important. So, you know, another question, because we are a technology consultancy, a growth enablement company, and we do focus on helping companies scale through tech, right? Through software, through technology. What role have you seen does technology play in helping companies scale in their sales initiatives or sales themselves? So I think we're seeing a trend towards, well, let me just go a couple of things through sales training. So a lot of Sales training is just that one or two day event and everyone gets together in a hotel room and then they're done. If they could retain 10% of that, what they learned and apply it, that would be a miracle. So Sandler's already always brought in the approach of the rolling out the framework and then reinforcement training incrementally over time, learning the different concepts and the techniques and the behaviors that drive those. Now, the other thing is that third piece is how does technology support the training? How does the CRM map to the training? So now once people learn the training in the classroom and a coaching environment, now as they use their CRM, how is that incorporated into the same type of methodology so they can, so it aligns to what they've done on calls? Right. Very possible too, with all the CRM products out there today to align or to functionally make it aligned to sales process. So you should be thinking about that when implementing a CRM in order to reinforce that process, right? Correct. hundred percent, Jim. Absolutely. Well, good. So when you talk to other business leaders looking to grow and scale their businesses, what do you tell them? What do you, what should they be focused on? Well, I mean, if I take it to the basics and look at the number of companies that don't do any type of training where they just hire a bunch of people and then let them do their thing and trying to reel them in, 
it's still the great majority of companies. Cowboy sales. Cowboy sales. Yeah. Or I call it either selling by the seat of your pants or winging it. But I'll, I'll add cowboy as a third. You know, uh, let's say cow person because I just realized cowboy, cowgirl, oh, let's go. just go cow person. Right. I want to <laughs> so, there's, so there's cow yeah. person winging it and see to the dance or dress. We could go either way on that. Cow one. person yeah. just sounds like a anthropomorphized <laughs> cow. Whatever. Whatever. Um, I mean, yeah. I was just picturing somebody with a cow body. I don't know why. I just. Yeah. Uh, like a Greek. Person head. All right. When you're selling by the seat of your pants. You're a cow person. Winging it. Yeah. Oh, and the cow has wings now. Awesome. <laughs> I'm seeing this whole and visual. Pants. Yeah. And pants. I forget. What are we here for? What are we doing? Oh, we're on a podcast. That's right. Yeah. With Joe Ippolito from Sandler Sales. Okay. okay. I'm you. sorry, Joe. We took you away down that uh, that path. Oh, yeah. cow path. Get it? I, I, <laughs> Oh no! I actually hung with your question. Good, because what was it? I have no idea. Yeah. What it was. <laughs> I think it was what companies are doing or looking at now. Something. It was not important, I'm sure. Yeah, what should um, be their focus oh, point? Which right. talking focus. to them, Joe. <laughs> Thank you, Sarah. Thanks. You're so welcome. The focus should be they need a process, but then they need a methodology to drive that process. A lot of them have a process, but that's like having a car but not putting gas in it. It won't run. So have that and then reinforce the process. Another big mistake sales leaders make or companies make is they'll give us their sales team and the leader is like a big load off their, off their chest because now it's like, oh, my team's getting trained, but then they're not there to reinforce, implement, and support it. So it's really a multi-leg stool with the training itself, leadership getting involved to coach and reinforce, and then the processes. Keyword to- coach. To maintain right well that's another we could have a whole podcast on that this isn't written by joe but it's i'm reading the sales acceleration formula by uh, mark roberge roberge i don't know if how do you say his last name but it's a great thing it talks about sales coaching which i really ascribe to if that's the right word rather than toxic sales management right and that's coaching and helping folks come along and having them be part of that process as well but coaching is key that's part of the repetition well i hate to take it to like if you look and i always refer to it and there's probably a lot of things that apply whether it's playing music or playing sports when you look at a football team they have the best players in the world that they bring in from different sources first thing they do is hand them a playbook from that team And then the next thing they do is just practice that playbook relentlessly, repeatedly, the basic principles over and over. So now they know those people can execute when they're on the field during a game. Sales training is not much different than that. Nobody does it better than Coach Belichick. Sorry, folks. Coach Belichick knows how to run a team. He knows how to run a playbook, do your job, and that's focusing on your job. And he's really managing a theatrical play in a sense. And if everybody plays their role correctly, the likelihood of winning is greater. So I think it applies here in business with sales and sales process. And think about it. They practice six days a week for one game. If you you did the amount of hours they practice for that hour of game time, it's probably 50 to one. Love the analogy. Great analogy. That brings us to a special segment in our podcast. We call it the techtainment section, where we're going to ask you questions, Joe, that we didn't prepare you for whatsoever. So they may catch you off guard, and that's okay if you feel uncomfortable. That's really what makes us happy. You're you gave me a three-minute out, Jim. Didn't I just shut up for three minutes, and then we... No, I'm sorry. This is going to... So my first question, I have a question for you. You're a sales guy, and you should know this. How would you sell hot cocoa in Florida? How would I sell hot... Well... 
it really has nothing to do with me selling hot cocoa in Florida. It's to the people I'm selling to, if I can create any value to them and find out what their perspective is on it first and maybe how it can help them or not. Yeah. So I don't, I mean, it's not about me, right? It's about them. So I'd go out there just asking questions and some I'll win, some I won't, but that's the way to do it. I don't care what it is. It's never about me. It's getting out of my own head and engaging that person on hot cocoa. Look at you applying Sandler. Look at you. Well, you know what I'm thinking too, Jim, is like, I think I might do this though as a, as a strategy. I might I might get the water temperature at the beach and then get them coming out of the water when they're cold. Oh, oh. good idea. You know, maybe. Yeah. It's a little maybe, bit of, maybe. maybe. That's a lot of elderly people in Florida. Yeah, see, there you go, Allie. And, you know, I'm always cold. It's all, yeah, it gets, you know, night it gets cold. And yeah. there might be a market for that, Jim. Well, I'm just thinking I've been looking for a place in Florida and a lot of elderly people she brings up suddenly. <laughs> Typical Allie. Typical no, Allie. no, no, no. You were you supposed, though, to, ask me, you were supposed me. to ask me about my ski vacation. I know, we missed it. We didn't know if that was relevant. Well, ask me. You tell well, me the, if it's Yeah, well, did you have a ski vacation recently? I did. I thought, thank, thank, thank you oh, for asking, Jim. Okay. How was it? Was it a good time? Were you cold? Did you drink hot chocolate? Did you do any selling? What happened? All of that. All of that. Okay. And so based on my profession, I'm always thinking about selling. And I did come back with an epiphany about selling and skiing. That's a beautiful car, by the way. I love the epiphany. It's an EV, right? I, I hope it's good. You're putting me under a lot of pressure right now. So we, we skied. We go to Big Sky every year. We skied with this Hall of Fame skier, this guy named Dan Egan. For any of you New Englanders, he was one of the first extreme skiers out there. And we went through like a three-day coaching clinic with him. And a couple of takes, so I was with my kid and uh, we've been going out there. This is going to be a number of years now. And a couple of things resonated with me. And, and I tied it back to selling. And, and number one is when you're on skis on a run, there's never a perfect run. You never have a perfect run. Certainly I haven't. On skis or sales or sales or skis. Whatever skis. <laughs> I think that his statistics were that even a World Cup winner only makes 60% perfect turns on that run. The other 40% are not what they should be. And I thought about how that's what sales is all about, right? There are no perfect sales calls. It's a dynamic conversation with a lot of variability on the prospect and the salesperson. And how do we manage that appropriately? And skiing, there's really four basic skills to whether you're a beginner or an expert. And sales, it's kind of like those same foundational skills. And they will, whether you've just learned to ski or the pros that are skiing on the circuit, like uh, Michaela Schifrin and Lindsey Vaughn, they're practicing these same four or five fundamentals over and over and over and over again. Right. There you go. The analogy to sales. And the other thing about skiing, it's counterintuitive, like selling, right? When you're going down a hill and you feel vulnerable, you start moving back. And when you move back, you start getting into a lot of trouble and you need to move forward. So it's counterintuitive to what your psychology and intuition would tell you. And sales is counterintuitive too. We talked about the traditional approach is push, 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 persuade, persuade, persuade. But the counterintuitive approach is more bring the prospect to you, ask them the right questions to your point earlier, try to engage them the best way you can around problems, issues, challenges, goals, objectives, 
and see if you can be aligned or not. Wow, did we turn this tech tainment into an interesting I know, that was incredible. Wow, <laughs> all with the skiing question that came, was supposed well, to be. Well, you have a lot of time when you're riding you those have, lifts, yes. Jim, to do yes, things. I know. To think about yeah. things. You yeah. think yeah. about, yeah, you have a like, lot of time gonna, to think. Where's my chalk chocolate? Anyways, who's next with it? <laughs> Who's next with the question? I think I'm he, next. You know, no, he didn't think about selling hot chocolate. And here we are talking about skiing. Anyways. Um, I know. So I wanted to ask Joe, what's the best thing you bought this year? Oh, good question. The best thing I bought? Yeah. Oh, definitely the ski trip. The ski trip. A- absolutely. I mean, yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. Expensive, but like just worth it all. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I, f- I feel that too. Like every minute of quality time I get with my kids where we're like not looking at screens is the best thing in the entire world. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Just um, and then just the lessons time. and yeah, just uh, phenomenal. Yeah. So cool. Yeah, being with your kids is nothing better. I enjoy every single moment. In fact, I'll just mention here on this podcast that I'm my son's co-best man. He's getting married on May 28th. If you want to be able to send gifts, just let me know through your messaging. But uh, I was out there doing um, his bachelor party in Los Angeles. Uh, he's a musician. He oh, does wow. our intro and outro, by the way. He did the music for that. So you get to uh, hear that. Yeah, yep. right. So, uh, well, I'll move away from just talking about me again. Uh, anyways, <laughs> what do you think? Speaking of, of music, uh, though. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Joe, if <laughs> you could segue. only choose one song to play every time you walked into a room for the rest of your life, what would it be? Ooh. Ah. Uh, yeah. The air sound. Oh, I hear crickets. Do you hear them? Yeah. One song. So like kind of a walk-up song, right? Like the yeah, yeah. Like yeah. A baseball mm-hmm. player. Yeah, like a baseball. Exactly. While he's thinking, I'm going to mention that uh, Joe's quite an athlete. He obviously does the skiing stuff. He's a, a biker. Biking. Yeah, biking, not biker. Right, but you're a biker. I'm a bicyclist. <laughs> I'm a biker. He's a biker. I'm a, I'm a, a bicyclist. Yeah. Same thing. Yours has a motor, mine doesn't. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it's funny because like, you know, I was brought up in the disco era, right? You know, yeah, so. We can tell. Yeah. But like, so you never saw like when you're out and stuff, you never knew the names of songs. So I've never been good at remembering names of songs. Oh, goodness. You want me to help you? Do you want to help? I know it's going to sound corny. Just start singing it. Yeah, sing it. Oh, sing gosh. It. No, no, that do I won't it. do. I have to do draw it. the line somewhere. What's the Coldplay song? One of their top songs. Allie, help me out because I'm, I'm Yellow, dead in the water. Scientist, Fix You. Those are all good. No, it's the one. Clocks. Nope, yeah. not clocks. Keep going. <laughs> I know everyone's going to think I'm a Coldplay fan. You know, I'm beginning to, I'm going to want to answer this for him in a second. Like, how about we just go with the Rocky song there, Joe? How about yeah, the Rocky? Or like Eye of the Tiger. Eye of the Tiger. That's what I was thinking. You couldn't go the Patriots when they come out of the runway. I don't know who that is. ACDC? Yeah, I'm passing yeah. away waiting for the answer, okay? Yeah, because yeah, uh, I can't come up with it. Yet. I'm sorry for the hard question. God. Um, yeah. Can we come back to the podcast and I'll be yeah, able we'll come. to come up hey, with listen, it? Hey, uh, listen, we're nearing our end here because I want to be respectful of your time. I know you get it off and uh, you get a lot of folks to work with and including our team. But what's next for you? Anything on your roadmap? What's going on? No, I mean, you know, I always look at, I think the other thing, I'll just go back to skiing is Dan was always talking about, there's no complete skier. Everyone, depending on what the situation is, their game is going to get disrupted at some point on terrain and their weaknesses will pop up depending on the difficulty. And I take that to professional selling too, right? It's a dynamic kind of thing with another human being. So I'm just always trying to up my game, get a little bit better every day. And, you know, with my craft, I have a methodology to do that. And then just looking for the next skiing or cycling adventure. 
Yeah. Hey, you know, uh, one of the things I do want to tell this audience, and this is for your children, this is for your business, this is for your life. There is no such thing as perfection. There's just no such thing as perfection. If you're chasing perfection, you're chasing something that just isn't realistic. So it is about continuous improvement. We as human beings, if you're invested in your life, you're invested in your children, you're invested in your business, work towards continuous improvement, that next step. So that's my, uh, what would you call that? That's my wisdom of how many years, I'm not going to tell you, but uh, 62. That's my, yeah, now it's, oh, it's been revealed. But uh, yeah. hey, I want to I want to thank you, Joe. Joe, how do folks get a hold of you? So if they are interested in investing in sales training with you, the Sandler training system, how would they get a hold of you? So email is always good, right? So my uh, J Ippolito, I-P-P-O-L-I-T-O at Sandler.com. And if anybody picks up the phone anymore, I mean, I still use a telephone. I don't know if other other people do. Well, go for it, man. Those yeah, they, they could phone. go. They could go LinkedIn, my LinkedIn profile, Joe Polito. Find me there, or they could give me a call at seven eight one seven one eight six eight eight zero. That's awesome. You've been an awesome guest. And again, that's Joe Ippolito. We love having him as a part of our team. He truly is a part of our team. He's integrated with Appreciate the group it. Here. Thank you. Couldn't be more uh, happy to have you a part of this. I want to thank Allie Lippman. Allie, thank you for uh, chiming in. Sarah Reed, Vice President of Marketing, thank you for the difficult question that uh, poor Joe couldn't answer. I think we ended on Eye of the Tiger. And now he's selling, He's you know what he's going to do in retirement now? He's selling cocoa to people getting out of the water. So, in Florida. Great, great, Florida. Yeah, yeah. In Florida, it's going to have a little like a child's lemonade stand yeah. with hot cocoa. Maybe you'll uh, see him when you're there, Jim. Yeah, thanks, Allie, for bringing that up again. The elderly will be there anytime soon. <laughs> Anyways, thanks again, folks. Uh, this is Jim Ward, CEO of Brain Cell. That's the Growth Enablement Madness podcast, which you can find wherever podcasts are found. Google. Yeah, Google, Spotify, even Audible. Yep iTunes. Well, and we thank all the audience members. Your subscriptions are really appreciated. We are finding that listenership is growing. So thank you very much, Joe. Again, thank you. And we will see you soon. Okay, great. Thanks, Ellie. Thanks, Sarah. Joe. Thanks, Jim. And Joe. Thank you for listening to this episode of Growth Enablement Madness Podcast. I also want to thank Divinio Podcast for this episode's production and distribution. Finally, thank you to Sam Ward for our musical introduction and outro. Be sure to check out all of our episodes wherever you listen to your podcasts, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more. New episodes are available monthly and cover all important topics for growing and scaling your business. Until next time, this is Jim Ward signing off. Let's grow.